Are you ready for some crazy fun science this summer? Everybody loves a good science experiment and Creation Today wants you to learn to love science and the God who created science, the God of scripture, the God of the Bible. You know, a lot of people think that science and scripture cannot go together, that they are at odds. And our secular world today is gonna try to say, you have to choose which one you believe. Do you want to believe science, what you can see, or do you wanna choose religion or scripture, something that's blind faith, and they make it seem like the two don't go together. Well, my guest today is not only gonna show us how they go together, but we're gonna actually do it together. We're gonna get to do some science experiments together. You're gonna love this. These are things that you should try. So get ready to do some science experiments right there with us on the show today. It's gonna be a lot of fun, okay? so. Go grab your mom or dad or your brother or sister or your friend or your neighbor and tell them to come on over and let's do some science experiments right now together. Just keep going, get that heart rate up. Instead of using my hand, I'm gonna use my face. What do you got next? Physics. I love physics. Whoa! Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. My guest today works for the Creation Museum up in Kentucky with Answers in Genesis. He is a man who loves science and he understands and has studied a whole lot of scripture and he gets to do science experiments every single day. I mean, what a cool job. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roger Patterson, affectionately known as Mr. P. Mr. P, welcome to the Creation Today Show. Glad to be with you today, Eric. It's a privilege to be on here to share these wonderful things with you. You know, a lot of people think that science and scripture don't go together, and that's what the world is telling them. They're telling them, no, we evolved, we weren't created. No, if you believe in, in scripture, you can't really believe in real science. You're going to have to ignore everything that you really see. H how do you see this? Somebody who does science experiments all the time, but also agrees with the Bible, how do you see this? Well, that actually used to be the way I looked at the world. So when I was being trained as a scientist in college, I had an atheistic worldview. I thought science was the way we were going to determine truth. I thought that was the right way to look at the world. It's how we were unbiased observers of the world. But then I had a change of heart. So God got a hold of my heart, changed my heart, changed my mind. So now rather than looking at the world as an atheist and an evolutionist, now I see God as the creator of all these things and understand his word as the standard of truth in all of those things. And it's the, the God of the Bible, the triune God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Spirit, the one who we can look into the world and see how he upholds all of creation by the word of his power. It's him that I look to to help me understand how nature, all the laws of nature, the way he put those things into place and how they show his character and how we can see his invisible attributes present in all of those things happening around us every day that gives me a foundation for science. It's a lot of the, the founders of the uh, scientific fields that we think about were people who believed in the Bible. They believed there was a God who ordered these things. And so now 
I understand those things. And I get to teach those things in the programs we have here at Answers in Genesis every day from that perspective and give God the glory for all of those things. I'm super jealous. Look at your lab. You got a whole lab there and, and people can just come and hang out with you in your lab and do science experiments. You're literally there doing these things all the time. Yeah, we have a ton of different program offerings here. So at the Creation Museum, every day when guests come, we have what we call our Discover programs. So those are free to guests and we have various scientists and experts in different areas. So you come and you get to experience those programs. I get to do really cool programs like we do Invisible Zoo where we look at critters in the microscope and up in flames where we light things on fire for an hour. Uh, then we have our programs that are called Explore. So we have Explore Junior for younger kids where you'll come uh, for part of the day with your family and you'll learn about all the amazing different aspects of God's creation. We have Explore for the older kids. Uh, so you'll come, we'll spend a day talking about physics or a day talking about paleontology or a day talking about forensic science and how those things line up with God's word. And then we also have our high school labs. So we have uh, homeschool students who come uh, to this lab and the one we have down at the Ark Encounter. And we spend uh, the year going through chemistry, biology, uh, physical science, um, environmental science. Uh, we've got uh, forensic science and then also um, anatomy and physiology. So lots of different areas. And then intensives in the summer where we do those things. We've also got our Explore Summer Camps where they can come for three or five day camps during the summer, do those things. We have explorations for the kids of all ages. So this is where the adults get to come. Yes. And parents love to come and learn along with uh, us as well. So we do those types of fun things. We've got explore excursions where we go out and we go to uh, places in the area and look at God's amazing creation and teach about those things. So yeah, I pretty much have the best job in the world. And it's, it's a pretty wonderful thing to get to give God glory for all the different things that he does. I am super jealous and I definitely got to come hang out with you for a week. I mean, this looks like a blast. Okay, this summer there's going to be a lot of kids that uh, some of them can make it up there. By the way, kids, <clears throat> um, ask your parents. No, 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 take that back. Bang your parents to go to the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter and hang out with Mr. P. You're going to learn so much. It's going to be amazing, okay? So maybe if you make your bed, clean your room, brush your teeth, do your homework, clean up the kitchen for mom, maybe, just maybe, she'll give you a trip to the Creation Museum or Ark Encounter. I'm just telling you, you start doing some things like that, you get some pull around where you go for a family vacation, okay? Yeah, so, kid, kids 10 and under are free this year again, so a great guys, opportunity for families. Your parents have no excuse, okay? So ask them to take you to the Creation Museum and to the Ark Encounter. All right, Mr. P, what are some of the cool science experiments you like to do there in your classes? Well, one of the other really cool things I get to do is a TV show called Unlocking Science. That's on our Answers.TV oh. platform. And when we do those programs, I know parents, uh, may, whether you're homeschooling or doing other choices for education, you want to make sure your kids get to do some hands-on fun things. And so I do a teaching segment and then we do a hands-on segment for some of those. So one of the ones that we did with a hands-on segment was called a happy heart rate. Okay, so God has created it all, created all of us with a heart, and we've got that heart pumping inside of our chest, and we can measure our heart rate. Okay. So, Eric, do you know what your heart rate is? Just your resting heart rate if you're sitting there right now. 
Okay, honestly, Mr. P, don't make fun of me, but every time I go to the doctor and they put that thing around me and the lady goes, your heart rate is, and she tells me two numbers, I'm like, is that good or bad? I'm like, am I going to die? What are you telling me here? So, no, I got no idea what my resting okay, heart rate is. So, let's let's figure it out. So, we've got this model of a heart here, okay? So, when blood comes into your heart, okay, it's coming back from your body. The goal of the heart is to pump that blood through your body so that we can move the oxygenated blood into your body and the blood that's given up the oxygen back into the lungs to pick up that oxygen and transfer it around. So God's designed our body with that in mind. So it comes into this side, into this atrium, and then into the ventricle, pumped into the lungs to pick up the oxygen as we breathe, then back into the atrium and then back into the ventricle where it's pumped out into the body. And the arteries are the ones that carry that blood out into our body. So the pulse that we feel in our arteries is actually the pumping action. We're feeling the pressure inside of those arteries as it moves through our body. Okay, so a typical resting heart rate is anywhere between 60 and 100. Okay, that's pretty healthy. If you're outside of that range, then there might be issues with our body that need to be addressed, but that's a typical resting heart rate, okay? So when we go to the doctor, they might put a little thing on your finger or they might feel different places on your body. The two easiest places to find your heart rate, okay, up here, we have arteries that go up either side of our neck. We can see those in this little model here. These two red arteries running on either side of the neck, these are called the carotid arteries. Those are pretty easy to find because they run up and they branch right here underneath of your jaw. So if you take these two fingers and come up right underneath of your jaw, you should be able oh, to God. feel a little pulsing sensation. Oh yeah, I got it. Might just it. be like thump, thump, thump. You can feel that pressure against your fingers, okay? So that's your carotid pulse. The other place you can do it is down here on your wrist, okay? So if you just take the same two fingers this outside bone on your wrist towards your thumb side is called your radius, okay? So that radial artery that goes through there, you should be able to feel right along there your radial pulse. It's usually about right here on your wrist, and you should be able to feel that pulsing sensation right there. As you can take your pulse in either of those two places pretty easily, okay? So it's along the outside edge of that bone right there. And then we want to find the beats per minute, okay, BPM. Now, a minute is 60 seconds. That's a long time to count. Nobody <laughs> wants to count for 60 seconds. So let's do it for 15 seconds and multiply it by four, okay? So we're going to take our, our pulse for 15 seconds. All right, so I've got my, you get a stopwatch or a watch with second hands, and we're going to find that pulse and get a good rhythm and go. Okay, that was 15 seconds. I got 26 for mine. Wow. I'm a pretty high heart rate. <laughs> yeah, I was got like, 26. I'm only at 21. You so beat me, man. Seconds. You beat me. <laughs> it's not a race. God's okay. created everybody's <laughs> body different. And I have a pretty high resting heart rate, um, just the way God created my body. So I take 26 times four. That's 80 plus 24 is 106. That's pretty high right now. 
I'm kind of hot. I'm talking and active. If I were just sitting on the couch, my typical is about 90. Okay. So 106 is my heart rate right now. I could also push the button on my watch and it would tell me what my, <laughs> what my heart rate is right now. And we'll see how close it is to the one I measured. And 126 is what my watch says right now. So uh, we can find that rate. Now, what do you suppose your body has to do if you start using up a lot of energy? We're doing some exercise, we're running around, maybe we're working around the house or working out in the yard, uh, helping do some chores, getting some work done. What does your body Jeez, have to do with those sugars? It's gotta burn more of those. If I'm burning more of those sugars, I've got to have more oxygen. So it's got to use up more of that. So you, what does your heart have to do? Got to start pumping faster. And that pulse is going to get faster and faster and faster. So you can do some activities. So let's try that out. Let's jog in place for 15 seconds. All right. You ready? We can do some jumping jacks. We can do push-ups. Some type of activity is just going to get our heart rate going for a little bit. Let's see what that does to our heart rate. Okay. All right. Let's go for 15 seconds. Go. Boy, it's like revving the engine on a car. Makes me feel good. I'm going to get all sweaty. Yeah. Got five no more kidding. seconds. Keep going. Get that heart rate up. I don't know. The league of my assistant is over there behind the camera laughing at me. I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Somebody's going to turn this so, into a meme. Okay, before you calm ah. down, let's get ready. Find that pulse. Ready, set, go. Stop. Okay, so mine was 38. From 26. I was 33. Holy ah. smokes. They got it up there. <laughs> okay. So here's kind of a, a relative scale. We know that my heart rate went up from 26 to 38 by activity. That's good because that means my body is regulating itself. We call that homeostasis. So my body is doing what God designed it to do. And if it didn't, that'd mean there's a problem with my body. We have uh, disorders that can come as a result of the fall, and we can measure those things and see if there are problems with our body. So the healthier you are in general, the less your heart rate is going to rise. So you can measure your relative fitness compared to other people in your family or your friends by seeing whose heart rate goes up the least with that oh. amount of activity. So if your heart rate went up less than mine, then you're more healthy than I am. And that might so be that's true because like I'm an old man. <laughs> but that's what I'm like almost 50 so years been, old and those things are going to change for me. I went 21 to 33. So 21 to 33, but you only went up by 10, 28 to 38. So I'd say The best way to do it would be as a percentage. So we'd have to do some math, which is great because we get to practice those math skills. So you just went up the least as a percentage of our resting heart rate. And then we could measure our relative fitness by, by looking at those things. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Now, now I'm a little Mr. sweaty. P I'm going to have to wipe off my brow there. <laughs> that exercise thing is a little too much. Now for me, <laughs> Mr. P, I look at that model of a heart next to you and I go, 
How could anybody? I mean, just take that model and show it to them and say, how did this evolve? I mean, the fact that it regulates itself, it speeds up. It's like revving the car. You get moving and it automatically gives it more gas for you and you stop and it backs off. I mean, what? Oh, what an incredible thing that's been created and designed inside each one of us. Guys, you've got one of those. That's happening inside of you. And yet there are some people who deny what I would call the obvious and go, no, this thing, this whole heart just happened all by itself. Yeah. Ah, what do you think about that? Scripture points us to the fact that that's a spiritual blindness that's over their eyes. And we can... We can point to all these truths and we can we can show these wonderful things, but we have to remember that we need to be praying for those people. We can speak the truth and we can communicate the truth of the gospel and the hope of those things, but it's it's a spiritual blindness. And we can't say, man, you must be really stupid. You don't see this. It's a spiritual blindness and we need to be praying for those people and hope that God would open blinded eyes and unstop deaf ears and that he would call them to repentance and that there would be many more people around the throne to worship God when we are there in the new heavens and new earth. Amen to that. Okay. I got one real quick that I think is kind of cool. I used to do this as a kid and I thought, man, you guys ought to try this. And so while you get set up for your next one, kids, check this out. All right, so I got a chair here. I'm going to sit on here, and what I've done is I've taken a bowling ball. Now, you may not want to use a bowling ball, but I've used a bowling ball, tied it to a string, and attached it to a rafter up in the top of the studio here. Now, God created science, and I can show that I trust God. I'm going to trust the science that he created. One of the laws that he created is the law of the pendulum. If an object leaves a place... It, when it returns, it cannot return further than it left unless you add energy. Well, I'm not going to add any energy to this bowling ball, so I'm going to show that I trust God's laws. But instead of using my hand, I'm going to use my face <laughs> to show that I trust God's laws. Now, like I said, if you want to try this, I'd start with a little brother or sister and uh, maybe not something that's too heavy, okay, just in case something goes wrong. But you can get a string and tie it to a, uh, like a tennis ball or something like that. But I'm going to do it with this bowling ball to show I really do trust God's laws. So I'm going to set this next to my chin. It's really important not to lean forward after you let go of the ball. I'm going to let go, and when it comes back, uh, if I don't blink and I don't move, I'm showing, I'm proving that I'm trusting in God's laws. Ready? Oh, it gets so close, <laughs> but it can't hit me because of the law of the pendulum. So this is something you can try in the garage, get mom or dad to help you tie up a tennis ball to a string and then let it go. Make sure it's not windy. And then when it comes back, it cannot come back further than where it left from the law of the pendulum, a really simple and fun science experiment you guys can do. And get your friends over after you've learned how to do it, and they won't believe it. You can try it on them, and they'll start flinching right away. And you can say, listen, you have to learn to trust God's laws, man. And then you can teach them to trust in Christ and share the gospel with them. So a simple, fun, easy science experiment. You got heart rate. You got the law of the pendulum. Mr. P, you got more for us? Let's talk about lung capacity. Just like we all have hearts, we all have lungs. And when we think about lungs, we could all measure our different lung capacities. 
Now, I'm a pretty big guy. You might not be able to tell it here on the camera. And this is a small scale model. I was say, compared I, to that other guy, you're huge. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a full size model, but if you stood next to me, you might be a little bit shorter than me, but I'm only five foot 18. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not really that tall compared to most people. So we think about our lungs. Our lungs are kind of like balloons. They're stretchy elastic bags that fill up our bodies. And if we were to open up your chest, it might hurt a little. So let's do it on this model here. Good idea. Unhinge. We look underneath of the uh, ribs here. You can see these pink things in between the ribs, right? So our ribs are connected. We've got the sternum down the middle and our ribs here and these little pieces of, of cartilage. They're actually little muscles that go in between here called the intercostals. So when we breathe, we're taking a deep breath. Okay, we expand that. We're actually pulling down with a muscle called the diaphragm. Okay, so the diaphragm sits underneath of here. Okay, so there's a muscle that sits underneath of here called the diaphragm. And our lungs take up this space. As this muscle pulls down, that inflates the lungs. So one of the activities we did uh, in one of these hands-on activities with lung capacity is to look at your lung capacities, build some models to show how our lungs work. So we pull down on that diaphragm and it inflates the balloon. Uh, we used a two-liter bottle to make some models of those things. So if you want to measure your lung capacity, you can actually do that. And you can think about how big your lungs are compared to somebody else and do those things. But a balloon isn't a good way to measure that because a balloon is pushing back on the gases with some elastic force. So a better way to do that would be to fill up. You could mark a two-liter bottle with some lines of volume and then use a tube, fill it up with water, use a tube to blow into it and see how much water you can blow out. And that would tell you how much lung capacity you have. Another way to do it would be to take something like a simple uh, garbage sack like this, or if you're a smaller individual, you could use one of those thin sacks you get like to put vegetables in at the at the grocery store, something like that. So let's see if we can measure my lung capacity using this sack right here. So I'm trying to keep all of this nice and tight. And I'm going to make a, a little hole right here. I'm going to take as big and deep a breath as I can and blow this into here, and we'll try and figure out how big my lungs are. That's a lot of hot air right there. I knew it. They told me you, you were know with it. that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so if we could fit this inside of my chest cavity, this is the capacity oh. of my lungs. So we could hold these up to one another, okay? If you did this and I did this and little brother and sister did this and friends and family, we could compare the volume of our lungs, okay? Now this doesn't give us an exact measurement because it's just a relative comparison, but we could yeah. see how big one is compared to the other, okay? So that gives us a relative measurement. So if we know that's how big our lungs are, do you think I could fill up a bag <laughs> that's taller than me with no, one breath? I just tried it on a gallon Ziploc bag and I did a full gallon's worth of air. So, there you uh, go. no, that's got to be, uh, 
that's got to be a lot of gallons, right? Oh my goodness, there's no way. Okay. No. Let's let's see if I can do it. Okay, I'm gonna have Miss Nalia hold this end of the bag for me, so it's suspended up toward the camera. Okay, so she's probably about eight or nine feet away from me, and the bag is here, and I'm gonna blow into it. We're gonna see if I can fill it up in one breath. What do you guys think at home? You think I'm gonna be able to do it? No. Let's find out. Well, I certainly love these science experiments. If you want to do a bunch of science experiments on your own, you need to check out our new resource, Science and Scripture, where we go through a bunch of different science experiments and show you how to do them at home. Some of them are a little too dangerous, so you can't do them at your own house. You gotta do what Steve Spangler says. You need to do it at a friend's home, okay? I was able to fill it up about four feet of it though. And we got a large amount of that air. That's because of a principle called Bernoulli's principle. And we can force air. And I was drawing in more air into the bag than I actually was able to pull out of my lungs. Okay, so played a little trick on you there. <laughs> I love the Bernoulli principle. Now, something you kids need to know about Bernoulli. Um, he died. Yeah, he's a goner, okay? He went six feet under. But I love what he discovered, actually... I used to work on cars and my dad and I would work on engines together. And I got to learn about the Bernoulli principle because of carburetors. How carburetors, when you yeah. for something, it creates suction. I love the Bernoulli principle. Such a cool thought. By the way, I've got a science experiment here. Kids, you can do this at home. All you need is a straw. Now, I like the one that has the bend in it. It makes it a whole lot easier. And a ping pong ball. And it also demonstrates the Bernoulli principle. This is kind of cool because Bernoulli's principle says a moving fluid has less pressure than fluid that is holding still or not moving. So I'm gonna make a column of air that smells like, like uh, mint toothpaste combined with some coffee. And it's going up right here out of the straw. Now, when I make that moving column of air, according to Bernoulli's principle, it has a lower pressure than the air that is not moving, or the still air. Is there still air in here? <sighs> yes, there's still air in here, and it's a good thing, okay? So I'm gonna create a moving column of air, and according to Bernoulli, the ball will be attracted to the area of low pressure. It'll actually be attracted to the column. Kind of like kids, you guys are attracted to areas of low pressure. Would you rather do your homework or play video games? Exactly. You're attracted to the low pressure zone. Let's see if we can handle it here. See if it's attracted. Ready? Yes. It is. It's attracted to the area of low pressure and it wants to stay right there in that low pressure zone. So Bernoulli is still right, even though he's dead. So you can try that one at home. Just get a straw and a ping pong ball. And uh, you can do that experiment. If you really want to do it big, get a beach ball and a vacuum cleaner and put it on the blow cycle and you can blow and it'll hold a whole beach ball up in the air. Really, really incredible. Ah, oh, I love science, Mr. B. This is, this is truly a lot of fun. But, ah, uh, ah, uh, before you do your next science experiment, I have to let social media and Facebook and YouTube and my podcast listeners and our television audience go, oh, say goodbye to Mr. P. You're gonna have to go visit him at the Creation Museum. Hey, Mr. P, once again, what's the website where they can download the PDFs from what you guys have on Answers TV? Cause you got a bunch of these shows on Answers TV. 
Yeah, if you go to answers.tv, you can find all the episodes of Unlocking Science. And then if you go to our answersingenesis.org website and just type in Unlocking Science, you'll be able to find all of our hands-on episodes. And then to find all about the programs that we offer here, go to creationmuseum.org. And then up at the top there, you'll see an education tab because we're all about education and teaching you all about God's amazing world. Guys, please jump in, get to the Creation Museum, jump on AnswersInGenesis.org, jump on AnswersTV.org, go to CreationMuseum.com. You're going to love learning science and scripture and how it all ties together. And I don't know what that thing is. I wish everybody got to stick around to see what you're about to do, but uh, I got to let you guys go. I look forward to seeing you next week. Always fun episodes right here at CreationToday.org. God bless, guys. Okay. We got our, our Creation Today partners on here. Guys, I hope you're enjoying this. I love science. I love science experiments. I love doing these with kids. This is something you guys can do, and it gives a wow factor to kids and helps be able to bring them in. I mean, instantly, I can go in a room as a 44-year-old, going on 45-year-old dude, do one science experiment with kids, and all of a sudden, they're like, okay, they're smart, they like me, and now I, can, I have rapport, I can share the gospel with them. So you can do this. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can do a science experiment, show kids a little bit of knowledge, invest in their life that way, and then transition it to, you trust science, you should also trust the God of science, the God of scripture. So, ah, oh, you guys should be doing that. Okay.